Hey, this is Kevin Shinnick, writer of Star Wars Force Collector, some Spider-Man comics, some Batman and Flash comics, just a, a lover of pop culture. And you are listening to Genuine Chit Chat. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm joined by Scott Weatherly, the 20th century geek, to do a deep dive, a retrospective, if you will, on Moon Knight. So if you haven't read any Moon Knight at all and you haven't even seen the Disney Plus series and you don't want to do that before listening, go back and listen to episode 123 of Genuine Chit Chat because that's when myself and Scott spoke about Moon Knight and that's how he kind of introduced me to the character itself. So it serves as a great introduction if you didn't already know. But if you've read any Moon Knight or seen the Disney Plus series and you just want to know more about Moon Knight, this is the perfect podcast for you because I've spent the last several months reading through a lot of the heavy hitters of Moon Knight runs, the 80s run, the really edgy kind of 2000s reboot, as well as the run and lots of other ones so I've read quite a lot of Moon Knight and also Scott Weatherly has released an essay collection which he edited and also contributed to which was released by Sequart and links to all that is going to be in the description but essentially I wanted to read that book while knowing about Moon Knight and obviously to do that I had to read a lot of it so I did a lot of the heavy lifting and it was great fun so I had an amazing two and a half hour conversation with Scott Weatherly but obviously this is just part one. Part two will be out next week at the usual time and also next week the full unsplit conversation with video will be put onto YouTube as well but if you don't want to wait that long and you want to support the show, please consider going to patreon.com slash genuinechitchat. For as little as £1 a month, you get immediate access to this full, unsplit conversation, and you also get a bonus episode of Afterthoughts every single week. That's where myself and Megan talk about a variety of things, movies, TV shows, all kinds of cool stuff. If you like this kind of conversation, you'll like what myself and Megan are doing over at Patreon. As I said, links are in the description to Scott's book and everything else that you'd want to know about and a lot of the things that Scott has mentioned, including Scott's other appearances on Genuine Chit Chat and some of my appearances on his podcast, The 20th Century Geek. Please check out all of Scott's stuff, go to his website, all that jazz, and if you like Moon Knight, please pick up his Moon Knight essay collection because it's really, really interesting and a lot of the creators have put in so much incredible insight into some of the elements of Moon Knight that I hadn't really considered and it really helped me have this conversation with Scott as well. And also shout out to Tony Farina, who's a friend of the show, because he also contributed to this essay collection but that's gonna be enough for me my friends thank you for listening as always i'll be back at the end of this to give you a little bit of information of what's to come in part two and those sorts of things but i really hope you enjoy this and without further ado here is part one of my conversation with scott weatherly about moon knight welcome to genuine chit chat where we have honest conversations with interesting people and i'm your host mike burton So my friends, we are here once again with Scott Weatherly, the 20th century geek and also of stories of time and space. He's also an author and well, Scott, you've been up to a lot recently. Um, so going through all that will take a long period of time, but mm. Moon Knight. Moon Knight is Moon a Knight. connector. Like I, I associate Moon Knight with you now and anytime I see anything Moon Knight, I think Scott. Uh, because we had that conversation, um, it was episode 123 of Genuine Chit Chat. It was actually three years ago. It was wow. in April 2021, uh, which was before the Disney Plus series. I came on the, one of the episodes of the Disney Plus um, episodes that you did as well uh, on mm. Comics in Motion, which is great, uh, Midnight Mission. Yeah. And um, so we spoke a little bit then, but we, that was the introduction. That's when I hadn't read any Moon Knight uh, or anything like that. I wanted you to introduce me to the world. Uh, and now I have read a, a pretty hefty chunk because of recommendations from yourself and uh, Mr. Tony Farina, all because you, good sir have released um to my knowledge it's your second book of essays which you've it edited is, yeah. so i wonder if you could tell us a little bit about any youtube uh, anyone on youtube you can see the video will be able to see him holding it up and i think scott's got his as well the waxing and waning collection of moon Knight essays so i want to make sure i did my homework before reading the essay book i will get onto the essays slightly later on but i want you to tell me a little bit uh scott about 
the essay book just a bit and yeah why why moon knight why do you write an essay book on moon knight and we'll kind of go from there uh moon knight came out obviously the first one i did was was judging dread mm-hmm. um and judge dread has been a major part of my sort of like you know, comic history my mm-hmm. you know my secret secret origin if you will um with 2000 AD and my early sort of like, you know, introduction to science fiction and everything else. But Moon Knight is part of my comic revival origin story. Um, so as often the case, as you get older, you sort of like, you, know, you drift away. And so I did in the sort of like late 90s, I sort of, I'd read uh, bits and pieces. It was more like the early 2000s, I sort of fallen by the wayside. And then um, I sort of started to come back a little bit with... Um, Civil War, like the original sort of Civil War story, uh, 2005. Um, and out the back of that, I started to pick up bits and pieces. And one of the things I picked up was the first issue, or the first collection, I should say, the first uh, volume of six issues of um, the Houston run, Charlie mm. Houston and uh, the amazing David Finch um, art on that, called The Bottom. Um, and it's an interesting, because it's it's kind of like, it is and it isn't a jumping on point. Mm. Um, because those first six issues, it's sort of Mark Mark Spector obviously is one of the well, he's the you know the the, moon the original, system. but the first of the of the yeah. we'll get into the personalities. I'm sure we don't guess this, but of the people who make up Moon Knight, he's the original. Yes, yeah. Um, so he's at the bottom. He's you know he's he's lost everyone. Everyone's moved away from him. Like you know, he's got the better of him. He's got injuries. He can't walk properly. He's sort of addicted to painkillers. Um, and he finds a way back from the bottom at a cost. Like he ends up having to sort of, you know, make a sort of a literal, not so much a deal with the devil, but the deal with the conshu, <laughs> um, to regain that sort of power and, and, you know, start sort of working his way back. Um, and so, yeah, I read that and I was just like, I, it's sort of a jumping on point because it's, it, it always leaves so many questions open that like, everyone sort of says, Oh, you got to read the bottom. It's amazing sort of, you know, entry point. And you go, it is, but you sort of need to know stuff to really get it. Like, you know, you, you meet sort of like Marlene in it, you meet friends, you, you meet all these characters, but you go, huh, why do they hate him? Like, I don't understand like, what's the problem? Like, you know, why is this? You sort of get bits of background. So yeah, I, I got into that. And um, picked up sort of, I think it was the second volume of that, uh, which is called Midnight Sun, which is even more of the same. It's an amazing mm. run. That tie-in with Civil War and stuff is incredible. Like, oh, I, issue I do, 13. I can't issue wait 13 for us is... to talk about that yeah, in depth, yeah. but we'll go through it because that was a... Yeah, sorry, I just want to chime in there and go, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, well, no, the, the, the issue, the, the second volume, Midnight Sun, it, yeah, that issue 13 is fantastic. We definitely will touch on it. But the, that Midnight Sun, um, it has a character in there uh, called Jeff, who, who now refers to himself as Midnight, and I'm like, but they keep talking to him about they've got a history, and it, it ends up being like his, no, no spoilers, but yes, Moon Knight doesn't have a re- many reoccurring villains. Let me put it that no. way. <laughs> um, so he deals with them, but they're like they've got this history. So again, I'm like, I need to know more. Like, what the hell, you know, is this? Um, and then weirdly, sort of like, so I didn't really, I'd sort of you know come and gone on it, and then, um. Probably about 2009, 2010, uh, I was in Whitby, um, uh, you know, home of Dracula, North Coast, that sort of thing. Um, and they have a, they've got some fantastic sort of bookshops there. They've got this really cool little bookshop there. And in the corner was a box. And in that box was a bunch of comics. Like, you know, they were just sort of like 10p each or like, you know, sort of 10 for a pound, that kind of thing. 
and there was like Nomad was in there. There was some uh, Night Thrasher, you know, all these like 90s comics. And I was like, you know, these are trash. But I'm going to have a look through. <laughs> I love comics. I'm going to see. But if they're cheap as well, like I've, exactly. I've grabbed a few from Forbidden Planet, just a lump of like cheap comics. Oh, there's cool variant in here. 100%. Like. Yeah. yeah. I was like, these look. But like, I also, not going to lie, I have a bit of a soft spot for, for like 90s comics. So like, you go yeah. like, you know, they're kind of trash, but I kind of love them as well. Like Spawn <laughs> is, is Spawn is one of my um, guilty pleasures as well. But anyway, in there, I came across a whole bunch of uh, Moon Knight comics. So I came across, it was a selection of the original um, uh, Sinkovich and, and Monch run, so from the 80s. And then there was a series, a bunch from the 1990s run, um, Mark Spector, Moon Knight. Mm. Um, and I was like, oh, there's more. So I sort of grabbed those, read them, and then went looking for the collected editions. And there was none. <laughs> I was going to say, Mark Spector Moon Knight, I haven't read a single issue of that because you it's, can't. Just, it's not anywhere. <laughs> I think there's two issues randomly on Marvel Unlimited. Is yeah. Does Punisher appear in that? Yeah. In, there are those part two, of the, the two part, Punisher yeah. ones, I might have read those, maybe, when I... Uh, well, get into my Moon Knight journey in a bit, but I think I might have read those two, but it's the only two on Marvel Unlimited is the two with the Punisher in. Yeah, they've got the Punisher, well, they've got others in it. There's Night Thrasher in it. They're called Round, they're part of a story with Spider Man, a few is called Round Robin. So mm. they, um, there was a story then. So, um, so yeah, I got those and that was it then. All of a sudden I was hooked. I was like, this character is, is you know, like really weird and I've, I don't want to understand its history. And there's no collected, there's no collected editions of these. So a bit of an obsession brewed. And that was it. So I've now got every single edition um, of Moon Knight from his original appearance in Werewolf by Night 32 all the way through to the current run. So it's a bit of an obsession. It's a good It's a cool... As I've delved more into this, I'm like, I need to hold myself back because i've recently stopped reading quite as much star wars content maybe mm. the comics i've wound that back because i want to be able to do things like this be i wouldn't be able to do this if i was still doing comics in canon having yeah. to read four to six comics with notes and podcasts every week so i was like okay i need to wind back because i want to read some non-star wars stuff and with reading all this moon knight i'm like there's still quite a lot of moon knight i haven't read yet and i'm like oh, this i can see the the fun of trying to find all the Moon Knight comics mm. because mm. some of them are so elusive and I can, I'm like, oh, if I'm now in a comic book shop or I'm in like an old school bookshop or even certain charity shops, you can find, if people don't know the value of certain things, you, you might just find, and so I'm going to be like, oh, when I'm in charity shops and they have that little rubbish comic-y thing, if there's oh, Moon Knight, some, I'll yeah. definitely I've a couple be of, I've, them. I've definitely bought a couple of doozies in that way. Yeah. Where like, and not like you say, bookshops or like, you know, like, um, Back rooms of like comic shops and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, my, my, I've got two, I have two copies of uh, Werewolf by Night 32, mm. um, his original appearance. One of them isn't in great condition, it, you know, it's fine, but one of them's in really good condition. Wow. Now, I didn't spend more than £10 on those. And that's from 1975 as well. That's yeah. like, yeah. you know. So I got very lucky because th- since then, obviously the you know, I mean the, the the ridiculousness of when the TV show came out, all of a sudden, like that original appearance and thirty two, and then like the uh, Marvel Spotlight and all these other appearances he kind of made between seventy five and eighty when his his first run came out, all those issues became like the the prices on them skyrocketed. And you just sort of like no, you you do you know it's exciting as a as a Moonlight fan or oh, amazing. But they fell pretty quickly because I think the realization was, oh, there's actually more of these about than we realized. Mm. And Moon Knight comic fans 
aren't as abundant as we possibly thought. <laughs> and they're not willing to part with their Moon Knight stuff necessarily. Mm. Like there might be a couple that have a couple of the same issues, or they used to be a Moon Knight fan, they've kind yeah. of fell off. But it's like it's not like Star Wars or like, you know, Batman or Superman, where it's like most people who are into comics probably have at least one of Batman, Superman, uh, Spider-Man, Wolverine slash X-Men, yes. and probably Star Wars. Like, of of the big ones, obviously there's certain indie ones a lot of people have, and a lot of Alan Moore, but like, you can almost guarantee if someone has more than 100 d- individual issues, or more than like 20 trade paperbacks, you're gonna find one of those in there somewhere. Yeah, Moon those list would be very difficult to yeah. find someone who's not only got them, but willing to part with them, or has yeah. more than one. Like, it's just... Well, that's it. I mean, yeah, because, you know, you said, because there were collectors I finally found that there were collected editions of some of those early runs, uh, but they were doing like the Marvel Essentials. I don't know if you know those. Yes, I, the digital versions that I read um, on Hoopla, they were the because the four volumes, which is collecting yeah. like the all from 1975 World War all the way to the end of the um, mm. the original 80s run. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, the thing is, they were great. You know, those, those essential runs are kind of good, but they're doing on sort of like newspaper print. They're in black and white. You know, it's not that original format. Um, so bless, you know, Marvel for what they're doing now. They're reprinting a hell of a lot more. Their essential mm. collection and their, you know, the complete collections and all that kind of stuff, they've gone that through. That's what I've like, read, actually. Because I read yeah. the colour ones, so I think I might That's what I was going to say. So it's the, the uh, it's, yeah, so you've got, I'm just going to get it. So you've got, like, these ones, that, the yeah, essential. That, that's what, yeah, that's the, the one epic, that I've read. Sorry, yeah. the epic collections. So they've got sorry. the epic collections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this reprints everything, and, they've, and they're in great, you know, the wonderfully bright and vibrant colors and uh, they always come with all the sort of the backups and you know whenever they had like a page at the back or there was drawings and all that sort of stuff so you get some really good stuff with mm. them so i think they've done a good job you know and also you can if you want they've got the marvel omnibus editions now they're doing them in those as well so if you want the big oversized editions like they've got them in that as well so yeah marvel is doing my boy well i think at this point like he's doing um so yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing. You I mean you said about the the Marvel uh, Mark Spector Moon Knight because mm. that's a fun. It's an, it's an odd run. Uh, it's it's the longest Moon Knight run. It runs to sixty issues. Oh my god, I I forgot that because I always think the longest runs the original run. Yeah, because obviously you know, thirty eight. I think was it thirty eight. Is, yeah, yeah. is, is, is yeah. Is but no, of, wow, that's sixty issues to sixty to issues. Fifty eight of them to basically just completely disappear off the face of the earth, but but not. All the other issues you can, well, some of the other issues you can kind of get. The, the one-off when he's in like Secret Avengers and things like that. I know, I think they're easier to get now, but the, the kind of when he was guest starring a lot seemed to be the harder ones. Mm. But of those runs, like pretty much all the other ones were loosely available. But Mark Spector Moon Knight is just like pfft, to the weird. Yeah. No, it's an, it's an odd. It's the reason for it. So you'll actually in the book. So in the book, we yep. interview uh, Chuck Dixon, mm-hmm. um, slightly controversial figure, but he was, you know. Um, curmudgeonly, but but you know, very sort of open about it. He wrote the first, um, I think, twenty five issues mm. of uh, Mark Spector Moon Knight, and um, he gave us some great stuff. You know, he brought back sort of like Bushman. He gave us sort of you know, reintroduced sort of Scarlet, um, um, stained glass Scarlet, and these other things. Sort of, and he he introduced like Jeff Wild, all these characters that sort of came into it, and he made sort of um, Moon Knight. As he saw him, was sort of like, yeah, he's like, well, the guy's a CIA operative. You know, he's a former soldier. He's going to have these issues. So they're going to make him a bit more international. And then we're going to go off and do stuff. Um, 
And it's it's really good. It's a good sort of you know. It's, it feels like a solid run. And because of this, I mean, yeah, you know, we're going to talk about the connections to Batman, but like you know, some of the stuff that he did for for Mark Spector, Moon Knight, you know, was up where DC were like, oh, let's bring Chuck back and we'll do, you know we'll have him do uh... all the Batman stuff. So you know, um, but as is the want with the '90s and, and Marvel in particular, um, after a while, it just sort of gets very trashy. Right. And very disposable. And after Chuck Dixon's run, it sort of starts to fall apart a little bit. Um, Mark, lit- at one point, Mark literally falls apart. Like he has this, he has this sort of not just a g- degenerative illness, but like he's literally rotting. And so he ends up with like an adamant, uh, an adamantium suit. Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, that's not where I thought you that was going to go. No, okay. he ends up with like, yeah, an adamantium suit. Uh, he takes on like uh, Doctor Doom, um, and then and after that, it sort of just becomes a whole list of like throwaway villains, and it's mm. all become. He they introduce, they introduce um, in the most recent run. They've talked about his Shadow Council, like they've, they've referenced that, um, and um, that comes from the Mark Spector Moon Knight run. Like he has right. Spectre Tower, like he owns Spectre Corporation, or is it Spectre Corp? I think. Oh God, yeah, yeah, I think something like it, that. Yeah, so because uh, the, the the personalities like disappear, well, not even the personalities, like the the, the disguises in that mm. early run. Um, and yeah, you have Spectre Tower, and at the top of Spectre Tower, you have the um, what you forget what he calls it now, but they basically have this area where they get together and they basically have a council meeting, and he uses all these different advisors. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it sort of it goes a bit silly, and it ends with uh, issue sixty. Unsurprisingly, like Mark dies, they they kill off Moon Knight in quite a spectacular way. But he takes on um, like another version of a sort of a, another sort of Egyptian god, um, Seth or Set. And um, the last couple of issues are about the nineties nineties things you can imagine. I wonder what, uh, is that where Seth's come from? Because in one of the Moon Knight runs, they, they mentioned Seth being some sort of villain. I'm like, I don't what. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly in, in one of what I, either the Lanier run or it might have been the um, Hudson or Ellis run. There's a mention of Seth in quite a, in one. It's issue in the I think it's Lanier. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. what the? And I was like, I was like, I'm reading a lot of Moon Knight stuff. Yeah. If I just don't know what Seth is, that's fine. Maybe it's an Egyptian god thing I don't know about, or maybe it's bigger in the Marvel universe at the time, and I just didn't know. But now that you've answered that question, so he's from the the run that's disappeared. <laughs> you can't that you can't get. Um, but the, the last couple of issues were drawn. I think the last sort of four to six issues were drawn by a guy called Stephen Platt, hmm. um, who is. He's a, I mean, he's a great artist, but it's so insanely like nineties. Like everybody, just, you know, if you, if you think um, Rob Liefeld does odd body proportions, yeah. check out some Stephen Platt. Like, you know, people can't put their legs together; their thighs are that massive. You know, <laughs> sh- shoulders that can hold up mountains, kind of thing. Um, but it's all bombastic and it's huge and it's sort of like overly drawn. You know, every, every piece of concrete or brick is cracked and everything has got, you know, it's always raining, like there's lines galore on it. Um, but it's it's cool. And so, yeah, but it's a good run. But Marvel just seems to have forgotten it. Like they just sort of went, eh, we're going to move cool. on. So the artwork, yeah. it does look cool. So I was just looking it up. I don't want to see rude, but it's, uh, yeah, I'm seeing some of the artwork there. It's quite cool, but yeah, it's quite, it's 90s edgy. It's yeah, not quite yeah, as edgy as the early 2000s. We'll get yeah. there, but sorry yeah. uh, to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, it's just, but it's really yeah, there's this, this weird like 60s run that's very hit and miss. Uh, this this 60s issue run, yeah, very hit and miss. 
And it's just sort of been forgotten. They are bringing it back. So in the Epic Collections, they're now getting to it. So they are oh. reprinting it. And it is going to be in the Omnibus run. I'm very excited for that because I think there's some really, there are some really, really good issues in those the, the early part of the of the run. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. Um, so I was going to say, because um, I, I want to delve, because talk about Moon Knight, I want to delve and teach you these runs. But just quick, I know you mentioned why you love Moon Knight and things. With the essay book itself, mm. what made you choose, because obviously you did ju- Judging Dread and things, was was Moon Knight just like, it was? is he just because he's your most important sort of Marvel character or one of the most important characters to you in comics? And you're like, I've got a lot to say about him. Let's see what the rest of the internet and people I know do as well. Yeah, it was really. I mean... As you said before about sort of you know the, the fandom for Moon Knight is quite mm. devoted. Like there's a very you know there's um, a fantastic podcast called Into the Night podcast mm. uh, that's devoted. This is sort of a, a, a Moon Knight podcast, um, and they have their own sort of like um, uh, Facebook group that's very sort of active. Uh, there's the, the the Moon Knight Core uh, website group. They came up with the the now renowned meme of. Um, Dracula owing Moon Knight money, um, which we'll get to, um, it's, which is mentioned in the book. Um, I think I'll, I'll even show it just so for people to see. It's the, uh, you know, I know you're here, Dracula, you big fucking nerd. Where's my goddamn money? <laughs> yeah. And people just assumed that was like, they were like, what comic's this from? And you're like, none. It's a meme. Like, you know, and they've done lots of stuff like that that um, people just seem to think are from actual comics. But, um, so there's a real sort of like committed fan base and interesting is, you know, obviously Julian obviously from Sequart. So I have a little bit of a, an advantage where I just sort of like throw ideas and Julian's like, yeah, cool. Let's go for it. You know, let's give it a go, like make it work. And I have things to say, you know, and, um, just talking to people like, you know, I was just like, yeah, there's some interesting ideas here. You know, I, I start the way I do the books. This is the same for dread. And it was the same for, for, for moon Knight, was I'd like write up a list of ideas. So I sort of like, I don't want to start with a blank piece of paper. So I've like a list of ideas. So I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, we've got a Jewish superhero that is, you know, an avatar of an Egyptian God. Like that's, so there's religious aspects of this. You've obviously got the personalities and sort of like the, you know, dissociative disorder. That's an aspect of it. The Batman comparison, the fact the guy's been changed that many times and died and, the, you know, the his backstory seems to change like, repeatedly. So there's like, all these different parts that you can sort of, you can pull on. Like, the Lemire run in itself is worth, you know, at least one look. And so all those bits and pieces. So I have that list and then people came to me and were like, oh, I want to do that. Um, or, you know, oh, actually I want to talk about the art. I want to do comparisons of art across, you know, I want to talk about uh, Bill, Sin- Bill Sinkovich's art and how he sort of, you know, does things or... Those kinds of things. So people sort of build up what they wanted to do. And I'll just let them go. I'll go, okay, give me a pitch, and then we'll start it. And then I'll let them go off and, and do things. Um, And so, yeah, that's it, really. Uh, you know, I started out, originally I started off with 14 people, including myself, and yeah. it, got, it got dwindled down. It often does. I know that's going to be the case. People fall off, you know, life gets in the way, or they'd realize they've bitten off more than they can chew. Um, But I was very fortunate. A lot of the people that have contributed, you know, either academics and professionals in the, you know, or have written, you know, substantially for like comic book resources or other places. So some really good stuff in there. And um, one of the ones I was kind of nervous about is um, the, the essay, we are moon Knight. Um By Lena. Uh, is that right? Lena, yeah. Lena. Yeah. So um, 
she reached out to me and again this is i still sort of struggle with this kind of thing it's sort of like so um yeah so lena is a, uh, so lena vincent of the douglas j vincent system so she is a personality or an entity an identity within a system um and so she emailed me and she's part of the moon Knight into the into the night moon Knight podcast sort of like active group she's very active in that and she was like, I would really like to contribute my perspective being a member of a system, you know, and knowing DID and how it's treated in the sort of this in uh, medical circles and so on and so forth. And I was kind of nervous about that. So I'm like, you know, uh, but that's something horrible. Like the skeptic jumps in and yeah, I'm like, course. all right, am I being taken for a ride? I don't know. I don't want to look like a pillock mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I spoke to Julian about it and I was like, and he was like, look, if, if they're genuine, it's a really cool and amazing opportunity for them to 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 have a voice and, and you know and be taken serious. If not, we'll, we'll sort of do what we'll do our due diligence and we'll just put it in the book, you know. So it is what it is. No, you know, there's no real no real loss there. Yeah. So yeah, so I had a conversation with them and, and, and um, communicated with them, and um, they were fantastic. Um, to the it's extent. A great Oh, it's fantastic! It's amazing. I mean, it's 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 you know, it's it's an amazing sort of honest, um, you know, piece of writing that really does. Sort of, when I wrote it, when I read it the first time, um, I had to sort of like seriously, I stepped away and I was like, because there's a part of me because I'm doing a book about I'm doing a book about a character that sort of has DID and it's been used, you know, erroneously numbers of times. So there's a part of me was going like. You know, are we, am I doing this the right way? Is it, you know, is this essay going to end up being sort of, um, you know, I don't know. Am I looking to sort of to have this in? Am I trying to be salacious? Am I am I looking for sort of for the clickbait of it sort of mm. thing? So I really had to consider it. But no, she, she's fantastic, and the essay is 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 brilliant. Um, and so I really appreciate that, you know her honesty and that and, and her openness around that. However, I would also say that so uh, Lenny in particular and the, the Douglas J. Vincent system overall um, has actually been picked up and helped the current writer, Jed McKay, um, in in sort of how to approach. So obviously in the most current run, Mark, um, Stephen and... Um, uh, oh, Jake. how's that gone? Jake, thank you. Jesus Christ, that got out of my brain. I have a, a therapist and they talk it through... And uh, Lenya has helped. Lenya has helped that in sort of form that. And at the end of in issue thirty, at the end of his most recent run, like got a, a personal thank you and stuff from Jim McKay. So it's cool that the, you know that's what this the, the, the fan base is. Um, and that's not the first time those kinds of things happened. Um, in the uh, when Max Bemis um, did his run um, several years ago. And he did sort of, you know, um, crazy runs in the family was sort of, like, you know, this whole thing. And he had Moon Knight versus Ra and all those kinds of things. And I got in contact with him through the Moon Knight podcast, Into the Night, because I really wanted to, because we were just starting the book. We were just starting the book at that point. I was trying to sort of find out, is it possible to speak to people? And because Max um, Bemis has a punk band as well. Oh, wow. That's he was cool. Good. Yeah, and he was in the UK, and he was appearing in it, and he says, and he said to me, he says, oh, you know, yeah, I can speak to you briefly. We'll see if we can set up an interview or something over Zoom and stuff. Um, because he's very open about his mental health issues and sort of like he's had anxiety and depression and, and, and other things. And so he sort of has been open about that and brings it to the, to the, his writing. So I met him very, very briefly. Um, 
whilst we're at this punk concert, he was at the NEC. I think it was the NEC or maybe the um, World's Arena, where one of the World's Resort. But yeah, I met him at this, this punk concert. Spoke to him for like 15 minutes. He was like, right, I've really got to go. Really, really, really nice guy. Wonderful guy. But we never got able to get together to have the full moon night conversation. And so he emailed me really apologetically and says, look, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw something into the final issue of my run. Keep an eye out for your name. And I was like, what? So anyway, uh, Ray, who runs the, the into the night podcast, uh, I mentioned it to him and he was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Check out this panel. So if you go to the, into the, into the run, I found I'm going to get it for you. Do so it, you go, I, haven't, I haven't read his run. I don't think. Yeah. Um, it's a good run. It's got some fun again. It got some really good stuff in it. It goes. It goes back sort of like to his, like Moon Knight's original trauma and this other thing. But the very sort of final issue, um, there's a there's a panel where they're all sort of stood together. But I find it now. <laughs> in and a trade paperback. There's so in a trade. <laughs> it's, it's like trying to find pages in a trade. It's like oh my lord, or in an omnibus. God forbid. You're like okay, this will take me all day <laughs> to find yeah. one page out of the hundreds. It's infuriating, isn't it? Because you do. Because you sort of go, um, yeah. Oh, I just need to look at this thing quick. And then you're flicking it and you're like, wait a minute. This is like nowhere near what I'm looking for. And then you go, okay, I'll flick a few pages forward. You're like, where am I in, in this gigantic <laughs> story? Where, where is this paddle taking place? <laughs> uh, the amount of times I've done that, I'd say. Um, there we go. Right. So you'll see um, the, the, the hosts of the Into the Night podcast are Ray, Connor and Rebecca. And you can just see, you can just about kind of see it. You can see these people here. Yeah. You've got Ray, Connor, Rebecca. Yeah. Yeah. And you see this guy at the back? Oh, yeah. It says on it, Great Scott. That's amazing. That so, is so cool. You're you're in the Moon Knight comics. That's amazing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm canon. <laughs> I'm in Marvel canon is what I am. <laughs> I'm waiting for my MCU appearance. Um, I, are you going to come back as your wrestling persona? Is that going to be your... <laughs> yeah, that, that's be it. <laughs> Oh. But that, but that's the kind of thing I think with with Moon Knight because it's not Iron Man because mm-hmm. it's not um, Captain America or Black Panther or you know one of those sort of like prime A list characters where you know and I know things like there's often art jokes and stuff in some of those every, every artist does that kind of thing but because you can sort of mess with Moon Knight a bit more bit more the breadth of what you can do with him is a bit wider. The contributors and the writers and stuff to it have always been like really open to the fans, mm. and so it's it's a really sort of you know it's just so openly, especially in the last sort of like I don't know last ten years, it's been a really openly embraced sort of community in the books and stuff. And because the books have been, especially since Lemire's run, I'd say, have been very open about saying like we're going to deal with the fact like his mental health, you know, Mark's mental health and the DID you know, that sort of thing is, is no longer a gimmick. It's, a, it's almost like, you know, what is, it's no longer a bug. It's a feature. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's been, it's been treated with a lot more respect and not that the people didn't respect it before, but it's been treated with a lot more sort of uh, reverence, I suppose. And sort of like, you know, and in doing so, I think fans have embraced it even more. So it's, it's a, yeah, it's a really cool group to be a part of. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, brilliant. So we'll delve in because I, because I've gone on this Moon Knight journey. So people, uh, links in the description to everything uh, that Scott's just spoken about, and check out episode 123 of this podcast. If you don't mm. know who Moon Knight is very well, I mean, the Disney plushes. It was quite a good place to start for me. I had a little one up. I had a, I read some of the 80s run before the Disney Plus show, but the Disney Plus show really 
got me hooked yeah. um so if you have if you haven't even watched that go watch that it's brilliant but also check out episode 123 of this podcast where scott gives a great sort of introduction to that the superheroes for dummies podcast on the comics emotion network that's like a proper deep dive into it as well mm-hmm. loads of great ways to start with him but moon knight so i've read his werewolf by night appearance i've read the mm-hmm. two issue spider-man involvement team up, mm-hmm. which i think is around that time as well and then i've read one or two other bits and pieces then i've read the whole 80s run of his first full run of himself yeah um, and then i've mentioned some of the other ones but we'll get on to that shortly but the doug Mo- is it moenk so Mo- moench Moench. i've, I've never always just pronounced it moench I don't, okay. i'm probably wrong but yeah uh, uh, who, doug. Uh, doug good old doug um <laughs> doug obviously who was writing wealth by night basically created the character of moon knight as no. an antagonist he did yeah but it was it was um oh, it was uh, uh, bill was it bill who created the I think maybe I should just double check because I've got to double check because it was um, the antagonist of in a, a Wealth by Night um, story um, from. Oh, it was Doug. Yeah, it was Doug Manch who wrote the, okay. the original. Yeah, I was going to It's Don Perlin who was the artist. That's what I was. Well, thinking. That was sorry. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, uh, Moon Knight was created as an antagonist in a two-issue um, sort of arc in Wealth by Night, which I've read, which is cool. And then he popped up in lots of random little bits, including like the end story, like a bonus story in the Hulk magazine for a while. Mm, I love and bits and pieces. Yeah. So I haven't read those. I've because obviously this was kind of me doing the abridged Moon Knight experience, trying to get an idea of all of the eras, kind of Moon Knight, and the essays yeah. really helped that. I think i've read all the runs of the essays go into in detail which really had obviously mm-hmm. you you recommended you said these three are quite essential yeah. and then tony said also the lemire runs really good and this other one and obviously tony's uh essays about that too so it's a, lot, a nice good package from the two of you but the I, I was trying to decide which of these the ones i read that i enjoyed the most so it, yeah. it's the, and i i keep going back and forth on this because when i first when we first spoke i read um the moench run i got to i think issue 15 ish or so um through that and i was enjoying it but nothing was really hooking me i was like this is cool this is nice but i, I wasn't quite gripped so i, I yeah. kind of and because of styles comics and canon i couldn't really i was having to find like very small pockets of time to be able to read stuff um so i, I end up just not reading it before the series but i had like a good idea of who midnight was at the time watch the disney plus series that i absolutely adore that upon mm. the rewatch that i rewatched recently as well to uh, ready for this podcast and to get me a good understanding again I, I think it is my favorite Disney Plus Marvel series. I absolutely adore it. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's when Oscar Isaac does a phenomenal. Oh my god, so good! Mm. I, I I agree with you completely. It's it's phenomenal. So I, I rewatched that, and and so now going back into this, the eighties run. I can't decide if it is if it's my if it's my favorite if it's the best. I think it is. Regardless of how you look at it, it is completely essential. Although is. every issue isn't strictly speaking essential. I feel like you can't read any of the follow-on runs uh, uh, cohesively, really, without reading at least the first half, but I'd probably say all of, the 80s run. You really need to get an idea of who the character was because every iteration builds off of that original. Even though there's retcons and all kinds of other things. And there's just so much... I'd say my favourite thing about that run, my favourite thing is the subtlety. And the mm. idea of Konshu in that run, where you don't know if he's really there and Mark halfway through <laughs> as the run has that kind of breakdown about when the, the statue gets stolen uh, by Bushman. Well, even things. before that, even, I think it might even be that same issue. Like, he confesses yeah. to, to, to French. He's like, mm. even I don't know. But Mark's yeah. kind of like, I don't even know if it's real or not. Yeah. Like, 
And he has the existential crisis that Marlene has mm. to bring him out of and all these elements. But it's always... And the identities get... The, the lines get blurred between them a little bit. So there's moments where he's like, who am I again? Oh, I'm I'm Jake. Oh, and he speaks to Marlene and she's like, why are you talking like that? And she, he's like, oh, so I haven't switched yet. There's little bits, but it's very subtle and the social commentary and all that. It's It's very... It's the one thing I think I really miss about the runs that come after this. Although I think I do prefer most of the runs after yeah. to a degree because I think that the general story, some of the dialogue is quite hard going in the 80s because it's 80s comics. But yeah. the I, the subtlety of the, 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 the different personalities and the way they're used mixed with you never really know about Konshu if he's mm. real or not, or if it's like the wind that comes in one of the scenes in the tomb. I love that subtlety. And I feel like my enjoyment of that subtlety almost almost is enough to make me like it more than the other th- stuff, even though the other stuff is written better, I think, in certain ways. Do you know where I'm kind of coming from? I, I, know, I know exactly what you mean. I 100% agree with the fact you're saying that it's, it's essential. Like there are, there are issues. There are throwaway issues. Like, don't get me wrong. But there are definitely that you know. There's, there's of that thirty-eight issue run. There's there are issues that are essential. Like you have to read those kind of you know those stories. Um, I also agree with what you're saying. I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is, this whole thing around whether Conchu is real or not, you know, it's been played out a number of times. We, sort of, we to the extent of now that he isn't. Like we've gone completely the other way. Like Conchu is now an actual physical or at least spiritual entity within the uh, Marvel universe. But you're right. Like that, it goes back to. I mean, issue one of that '80s run um, had a tough job on its hands because you did. You had got sort of like five years of this kind of mishmash of like fighting around as a hero. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, you have because it's sort of. Oh, we've got to sort of basically. He basically has a face turn for like five years. You know, he's a villain, and even in his sort of follow-ups issues, he's still that's still a little bit there. And so they sort of cement him as a, as a, as a good guy. And those Hulk magazine backups are fantastic. We'll get to those because they're written by Munch and drawn by Bill Sinkovich as well. They're the first things that those two came together on. Mm. And what they, they sort of act as a, um, like a playground. They're like a, they're like a, a trial, like a pilot a pilot almost. Yeah. For, yeah. For like how they're going to work this out. And then they get a run off the, you know, they get their own first issues. So that first issue though, has to set up a brand new, origin story so it's a whole thing you know because we're like oh no no the committee didn't give him his costume and his name and all the other stuff like to fight a werewolf <laughs> oh no 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 moon knight came from this incident where in the sudan he you know was involved with this terrorist or this this bandit bushman and he was killed or he wasn't you know in <laughs> at the, at the foot of the, the conchu statue so and it's so that first issue is like a real sort of a reset it's probably one of the hardest resets any superheroes ever had, and it's the most co- It's the one thing I think for every run that is the one. It's like the Uncle Ben of Spider-Man, hundred percent for yeah. Moon Knight. Every run, whether or not they interpret if he died or not, and Conchu's involvement and what he was kind of doing there, regardless of the interpretation, the event was him and Bushman. There was a lot of killing involved, and he was left for dead. And there was, yes. and Conchu was, and there was a Conchu statue there. All of the details can be added or, or changed, but those that basically sentence is the core Uncle Ben part of Moon Knight that cannot be changed in any of the future runs. Yeah, hundred percent. It is. There are certain you know superheroes that just have it. This is Crime Alley. This is Frank Castle's family being shot. Like it's it's fundamental that that is has to be there. 
because it's sort of one of the things it does that it establishes in Mark um, that he wasn't a good guy. You know, one of the things that sort of even Doug Munch sort of makes, makes quite clear, Mark Spector's not a good guy. Like he wants to be, but at his heart, like he knows he's done some terrible stuff. You know, the point that the reason he's there in the Sudan is to rob an archaeological dig and kill everyone there. That's why he's there. And he has a change of heart and sort of ends up fighting Bushman. Um, but beyond that, from that issue on, issue two is called uh, Slasher. And then issue three is another short story. Like they're all just a bunch of one-offs. Um, and they're fun. They are. They're fun. But they kind of just... <sighs> They're throwaway. I mean, the slasher one is interesting because it does introduce like Crowley. It's sort of like they're, they're like worlds, you know, uh, building, but in a soft kind of way. Do you know what I mean? So the yeah. first three, because number three introduces Midnight, Midnight Man, who's an art thief, and so it's really about introducing all these little characters that are going to play a bigger part later on. So it's sort of like the first, I'd say, five issues of that that 80s run are like, okay, we've established Moon Knight. Issue two, we're going to establish Crowley and his sort of tragedy, and we're going to introduce um, the diner and um, Gina's, you know, Gina's diner, her two sons. You're going to reintroduce, you know, we're going to establish Marlene, we're going to establish Frenchie. So those sort of first issue, five issues, really do a lot of that. They build a lot of that, uh, that relationships up, and it starts to introduce the uh personal they're not personalities at this point the disguises the the you know the the different characters jake lockley stephen grant mark Spector, and moon knight so you're right those first five issues are kind of important because they do all that but they're a bit like throwaway stories they're kind mm-hmm. of silly um so yeah but they, but they are kind of important um because it, as i say it builds up to other stories, and it, uh, um, but one of the, the interesting things about the the you say about the subtlety. I'll stop talking. You can ask questions, but one of the subtlety. No, what you do, I specifically want you to talk about yeah, the subtlety. So what, I'm interested. What, one of the things about the subtlety of, the, of that, as you say, is exactly what they were trying to do. So even like Doug Munch sort of says, there's interviews, and they're in all the collected editions. There's, there's a couple of interviews he's done where he was like, "Oh no, they're disguises. There is no, there is no." Person, you know, multiple personality disorder. Like he was dead against it. He was like, "Oh no, there might be some confusion, but that's sort of like more linked with potentially like what we would consider to be PTSD now." Hmm. But like you say, you are right. There are scenes where he'll come in as Jake, or he's leaving as Jake, and he's like gruff, and he's you know he's he's sort of short with people, and he'll leave in his taxi, and Marlene's like, "Oh, Christ," <laughs> you know. But then he'll switch to Stephen, and. She- out and out, she prefers Stephen. Like oh, throughout to the first everyone by by a long shot. Yeah, like, she. I think she actively dislikes Mark Spector and is yeah, quite indifferent does. to Jake Lockley. And she's like, I just want you to be Stephen all the time. Yes. And there's that one. There's one or two issues where they talk about it, and it, she's like, If it was up to me, I would just want you to always be Spector. And yeah. then he's looking through like his old video footage of him Spector because he can't let go. I think it's when his dad's uh, passing away and things. It's like mm. she she feels like she's finally kind of getting Steve back, and it's just back to Spector, and he's just yeah. in this. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're right, and that's the thing. That's why I think it's so it's so good, is that different people want different things from him. So everyone sort of talks about his ability to sort of pull from different, you know, to slide into those personalities. 
But over time, pressure gets put on each of those personalities. So Mark technically is Moon Knight. You know, it, when he is out kicking ass and, and taking names, he's Mark Spector. Like he's leaning on his CIA training and his military, you know, his military career. There is no fourth personality that, that is Moon Knight per se. Um, but like you said, Gina and the Sons and Crowley and his other, they all like Jake. Like they all know Jake as the taxi cab. So they sort of like they sort of put a little bit of not huge amount of pressure on, but there's a bit of pressure on him there to be to be Jake, to be a man of the streets, you know, and to be a man them. of the people. Because Crowley and the kids, he yeah, exactly. gets the jobs and gets and she he kind of gets the kids off the streets in a bit. And Gina's like, I like you giving because my boys something do to do because you protect yeah. them but you give them money as well and you teach them stuff and because of you they're trying to do all these stuff so mm. he, as, as you've correctly put it crowd like jake is the ground level there's one of the essays which i'm sure we'll delve into um is a, about how one of the interesting things about moon knight as a character is he can fit into every social class yes which is no one else can iron man's super rich peter parker's quite poor peter parker can't interact with millionaires no Bat- batman can interact with millionaires and basically you know, beat up the scum on the yeah. street. You know, there's <laughs> yeah. there's no middle. There's no Batman going to like Walmart. That that's no. not that's not a thing. Whereas with when it comes to Mark Spector, he's got the three kind of layers of the social mm. class, as well as Moon Knight, which is superhero and kind of can go behind the scenes of police investigations, crime scenes. So he's got this. He can kind of explore the whole world in this way, yeah. in a, to a degree. You're right, and that's the thing, and that's but like you know we all have stresses in our lives. We've all got pressures put upon us, and I think that's one of the key things of, of you know an interpretation of it now is like you can see the pressures that get put on each of the personalities. So as he shifts between them, like you know he knows he would probably like you know like as a method actor, let's say like he can he wants to turn up at home after having you know been out as Moon Knight, he wants to chill out as Mark Spector, all right. Or if he's getting ready to go out in the street, okay, I've got to get ready, you know, put on the moustache, chew the match or whatever. Got to, you know, got to go out and become Jake Lockley. But you're right, Marlene's, he's going, but I can't do that now because Marlene, you know, I know I've got to be nice to Marlene because it's just the pressures at home. Like he's in a relationship with her. Like he he wants to be happy with her. He wants her to be happy. But the fact of the matter is like Mark Spector's well aware, as you said, like she doesn't like Mark Spector. She does not like his history. And so she likes Stephen Grant because he's a nicer person. He's the rich one. He's the philanthropist, you know, all that kind of stuff. So when it sort of comes down to him starting to have those blend together and have to face up to them, it was kind of, I think, Doug Munch had sort of written himself into a bit of a corner quite early on where he's like, oh, they've become popular and they've all sort of got a life of their own and I've got to try and fix that a little bit. And so he does. He addresses it. But as you say... It becomes a core of the character then. Those slipping between names and stuff becomes um, a tenant of the character. However, nowadays, if you were to ask someone, tell me three things about Moon Knight, you'd be like, oh, you know, Conshu, um, his personality disorder, and you know he wears a white hood. Like you know, you'd, you'd probably he's wears a white costume. Yeah, okay, cool. But that the fact of the matter is, the true sort of establishment of it being of, of being able to slip between personalities and then being separate identities does not happen until well, really until the Lemire run. That's when it really yeah. gets cleared up. Because in the two thousand six run, it's not even the personalities just. The altars pretty much just get wiped, don't they? It's all about Mark at the bottom without his 
alien he's, he's around abandoned. Him. Well, the point, yeah. yeah, he's abandoned by everyone, even those potential sort of identities. Um, and in that, like in that run, it transitions. It moves from Sean Houston to other writers, and they've got a, a towards the end. I think it's called like Down in Mexico, um, yeah. or Down South. It's called. And in that, he ends up just using the Jake Lockley name. It's right. still, it's, it's still. I only read the first two volumes of that to clarify to you in yeah. the audience. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. So that 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 last run, right? That last sort of. We'll get on to some of the the craziness, but it, and it, it includes him fighting alongside, fighting against and alongside with the Punisher two luchador wrestler mercenaries, and they're amazing. So like stuff like that is great. Um, but he just uses the name Jake, and then you know it sort of becomes more of a thing. Um, as you go along, and it, it, one of the reasons that it had to be cleaned up, we'll, we'll get back to it, is because, well, no, I will, we'll talk about it later. It became messy post, like, uh, post Houston run. It started to get kind of messy, and, and uh, Warren Ellis and Jeff Lemire sort of like cleared the decks and sort of set that new sort of state. Um, but going back to the 80s, one of the, the you're right about the subtlety, because the other thing that sort of uh, Monch was, was looking to do. And he was able to do, and that's why that essay, which I think is so fantastic about those different classes, is so important. It leads on to another essay, which talks about the social commentary mm. that Monch brings in um, with his run. So you know, we have issues. There's there's, there's a couple that really stand out. One of my favourites is uh, it's about a music box. It's about like gangs on the street and stuff. Lenny, I think, is the kid, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and. Um, it's about him sort of, you know, he gets caught between his mum and the people, local people that live in the neighbourhood and the gang that he, you know, he sort of runs with. Mm. And you have this idea that well, he hasn't really got a choice. Like he's poor, he's on the street, can't find work. So the gang is sort of got his back. But the gang are now sort of trying to sort of, what's the word, like, you know, uh, strong arm the local people. Yeah, it's a protection to, racket, isn't yeah, it? Like, yeah, kind of sort of thing. And Moon Knight sort of gets in the middle of it. But it's about choosing a side, you know. You don't, for want of a better phrase, you don't shit on your doorstep. You know what I mean? It's sort of, <laughs> and but if it, it, in the eighties, I mean, you've seen the Warriors. I mean, there's, there's oh, I love that film. Yeah, yeah there's, you know, that's an ex, that's a um, a hyper version of what people thought New York was. But it's not hugely far off. Like you know, there are photos and video footage of these sort of gangs in the leather biker jackets and all that kind of stuff with ridiculous names like you know, Savage Sharks and all that kind of stuff. Um. And so he tried to confront that, um, and th th these issues pop up. Even like, you know, stained glass, st uh, Scarlet. Mm. There's a whole thing in there. You know, she ends up having to face off against her son, who's a criminal, because he wanted to. Be he ended up becoming a criminal because his dad was a criminal, and the police shot him down. And so it's sort of like you know, what's it like the the sins of the father sort of thing. But there's an issue. There's a moment in that one. I think it's in that one. Either in stained glass, Scarlet, or it might be. In, there's another one. I think it's that. We have Marlene and and Mark. And they're talking about the pointlessness of guns, and it's all about shooting. And it's um, uh, the the issue comes out a year after uh, the shooting of John Lennon. Because I looked it up when I was reading it, I was like, "Oh, they're mentioning Lennon a lot, and they cry about it, don't they?" And I was like, "Yeah, this must have been." And I looked at the, I looked at the date, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, this is so yeah, fresh so off is, almost." Yeah, yeah, it's so written it, before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it sort of celebrates almost the anniversary of his death. But then they mention it that she's playing the Beatles on the piano. And they have this thing, and it's just it just says like the it's about the pointlessness of guns, you know, sort of. Um, 
and at the end of that, like Mark refuses to pull the trigger. You know, he refuses to stand down from something being shot and stuff. And the fact that like stained glass has got to sort of shoot her son. So it's, there's those kinds of issues. But one of the most famous ones is um, an issue called Hit It, mm-hmm. um, which is quite well run It's you know, um, it's this fun. It's a it's a it's not even a full issue. It's probably two thirds of an issue because it's got a backup and stuff. But it's this guy who's just furious. And he's going around. It's sort of um, the writing is to, the writing, the the panels and stuff are different stories. So your captions are talking about jazz music and the beat of the drum and this sort of thing and about how it sort of plays out and sort of thing. And then you've got this guy going around just punching people. Like whoever gets in his way, he's just knocking them out. He's getting furious. He's angry. And you've got this thing. It's just just called hit it, and it's this idea of you know just the, the throb of it all. But what you start to learn is that Moon Knight sort of sees him in an, in an altercation and decides to take him out. And you realise that the guy has lost... His, this guy's dad has just died. And he, in his sort of like... He's confused because in his grief, he's also having to confront the fact that his dad used to beat him on a regular basis. And so you get this issue of like all these like roiling emotions of this guy's like, I'm distraught at the death of my father. But I never confronted him. I never got to punch him back, kind of thing. And the end of the issue, like Moon Knight tries to talk him down, and he can't. And so Moon Knight has to basically ends up punching him out, to, so the police can take him away. And Moon Knight stands at the end of the issue, sort of with his head in his hands. And it's like, when will the violence stop? You know. And so there's a, there's this whole. All of a sudden, you go. I've just read an issue about child abuse and generational violence from the early 80s and i'm kind of shocked and it's and also more than that, it's a beautifully drawn issue like it's it, stunning but then you go to the next issue and there's just another i can't remember what the yeah. issue is directly after that but it's basically just a goofy moon knight-esque story and they're the, the goofy issues are the ones in that run where i'm like what is this where is this going what is this doing it feels very much like 80s comics and i'm i'm not the biggest fan mm. of to be honest pre-90s is there's there was a lot of great stuff pre-90s don't get me wrong in comics but for me apart from some of the really heavy hitter stories when i read some other stuff from before that era even some of the golden age which i know is going back you know decades prior i do just find some of the language and either there's the parts which is in this uh, 80s run where there's just so much text of exposition i was explaining to, to megan and i was saying it's hard because i think the 80s run is probably is better in a lot of ways than the Hudson run, Houston run. But the the Houston run grabs me in a different way because it's some of the issues you can skim through in like four minutes because it's all visual. There's not that much talking because mm. it's all you learn what's happening by visual aid. And in a lot of the the early comics, and I blame partly Spider Man for this because it still happens in a lot of Spider Man comics, which is every single action that the character takes they have to think and explain why they're doing it and it's like oh my god they're getting away in the car i better get my grapple hook then the next scene is him cool i've got my grapple hook now just to throw it and get it right and then it hits the car and it's like great my grapple hook's got a um, got a tight edge to it now now i can grab onto it oh the car's moving quite fast while yeah. i'm holding on and you're like uh, uh, if you didn't put any text in these five panels and you just showed moon knight in three panels throwing a grappling hook to the back of a moving car and moving forward i would understand that he's thinking about doing that but you don't need them do you no i think and that's what i struggle with in that run 
I agree, and I, I know what you're saying. I do. I, I, I 100% am with you on that. I think this is the problem with... I know, let's put it this way. Because it's in context. It's in historical. That's how 80s comics were written. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Uh, we'd moved away from thought bubbles, and then we got panels instead. Right? You get <laughs> you get the, the text box instead. It's just the way it is. But you're right. It's quite hard. But I think, actually, what you'll find it... You know, what I find with some of the Montrun is, he, you're, you're 100% right. And I think I'm just got to hit it in front of me. And I'm looking through it now, and I'm stunned by how great this issue is. Oh, it's amazing. Like, there's a whole section here that sort of, you know, it starts with um, it, it, the whole issue, the front page. This, this is the, this is a Moon Knight comic, right? And the the cover is um, it's Moon Knight punching a guy in the face or threatening to punch a guy in the face. And behind it, and I'll just show it to you, right? But behind it is a kid's scribble drawing on a piece of notepaper of an adult hitting a child. Mm-hmm. And so you clearly have this sort of, you know, juxtaposition, uh, juxtaposition of Moon Knight being the authority figure punching this and then the parent figure, right? So you're watching that going like, Christ, what's that about? And then you open it up and it says, it says first there is black, then there is light and all the colours of jazz. And then there is sound in these colours. And it goes on for two pages about jazz. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, hang on, sorry, what? It's <laughs> quite Alan Moore-esque in certain ways. Yeah. You read certain Alan Moore and you're like, like my, my, we spoke about Miracle Man quite a lot. And you're like, this, the writing of this is amazing. Like, If you took this out of this comic, it'd be great. But some of this feels a bit much. I don't yeah. need an yeah. eight-page poem on the ex- existentialism to understand that Miracle Man is now omnipot- omniscient and omnipotent. Yeah. I don't quite need that level no. <laughs> of like prose to comprehend a comic of reading necessarily. But he does that. Like it's, it's really well written in the Moon Knight stuff. It is, and a lot of it really does add things. When there's those high issues like hit it and some and the Scarlet a woman, lady mm-hmm. one, so those when you've got those bubbles, the the text bits at the top, you like this adds a lot. It gives feeling, and but it's the filler issues yes. that are not only a thug of the week, but also then. Exposition of things you're literally yeah. watching. And it's such it. a weird thing. I'm like, some of these issues are probably some of the best written and most clever issues of Marvel comics I've read. Mm. And then the next one is just utter tat. And you're like, what yeah. is? Why are there 38 uh, issues of this? If this was 20 issues, I think this would be one of the best. I've not read a huge amount, so TYC with a pinch of salt, but one of the best uh, comic runs of this age. Oh, 100%. If it, if it was just gets, 20 yeah. issues and it was perfect, you could not debate that. But it's just, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer Syndrome. Almost every third, have three decent issues, have three issues, two will be good, or one mm. might be amazing. But then one's either okay or a bit like, what? And yeah, it's completely just, off the boil. You just have to take it with it, don't you? Because it's yeah. so. <laughs> I think. I think. What what you know when when um because we interviewed obviously Bill Sinkovich for, mm. for the book and speaking to because I want to talk about the art on that very quickly in a minute. Mm. One of the things that they seem to get away with, like no one was sort of paying attention to Moon Knight because they were just sort of like we've got other things we're doing this Moon Knight run, do your thing. I mean they've got brought together to do the the Hulk backups because they needed a backup and they were like oh we could use Moon Knight. I mean, Bill Sinkovich is just to get onto his art because his art is so phenomenal in some of oh, his issues. Love it. Um, he just turned. This is a different time, but he'd done some early stuff, you know. But he was working. At, I think he was at college at the time. He just turned up at Marvel offices, sat in reception with his portfolio, and was trying to show it to people. And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah wait there, wait there." And he just he did. He sat there and waited. Um, and one of the editors, whose name escapes me now, basically came out. And said, you need to go speak to Neil Adams. And he was like, where is he? And he was like, oh, I'll go get him. And they brought him out and they showed him this stuff. And they were like, cool. 
have you heard of Moon Knight? And they just gave him the job. That's so and cool. He, so he was like, yeah, all right, we're going to team you up with this guy, Doug, and look, we, you know, you're know, you going to do these backups. We'll see how it goes. And when you sort of see those backups, those original backups, um, he was considered, and when you look at his, his more recent stuff, you can't even imagine this, he was considered like a Neil Adams Oh, it was Denny O'Neill he spoke to, sorry. Denny O'Neill was who was doing the sort of this run editing. He was considered like a Neil Adams knockoff. Oh, okay. So if you look at like the Neil Adams art for, you know, the the, the late 70s, early 80s Batman, you mm. know, Batman's very sort of like slim. He's, he's sort of like gymnastic. It's sort of very sort of fluid. And it's beautiful. I mean, he's a fantastic artist. He was sort of emulating that mm-hmm. in many respects. And it looks great. It really does. And he thought that's what he had to do. Um, and then as they sort of developed, again, if you when you read those first couple of uh, Moon Knight issues, mm-hmm. he gets a little looser and a little scratchier. But by the time you get to sort of like issue twenty, it's quite clear that like he's, they're a bit like, no, nobody's checking. <laughs> Let's try and do something a little different. And so all of a sudden, like the stories become a little bit more social conscious, the panel construction becomes different, the art becomes much more um, experimental, you know, it becomes almost um, a graphic design experiment in some cases rather than, you know, panel layouts. The use of lighting, I would say, in, in oh. around this era, before it became, like, fully digital, I don't know how they did it in this time, but obviously you read a modern comic now, um, or even really probably post-2000s-ish of Marvel stuff, mm. and you go, it looks f- phenomenal what they can do, but it's on a computer. A, a, a lot of them are either done or enhanced on the computer. When you see this and you go, how did someone do it when it was it was just ink and paper, you know, or paint and paper, like how, and you see it and you just go the way that they had to cleverly use when they didn't have infinite resources and you know, Photoshop or whatever to be able to help with it. When it was just pen and paper and the way they do lighting. And it's like, you don't have the color spectrum you have nowadays. You've got a much more finite defined. You don't have mm. like necessarily 18 different shades of red. You've got red. Yeah. <laughs> or you've yeah. got maybe orange if you're lucky, but you're the hair color of Mark Spector changes from actually the color <laughs> red to brown quite a lot yeah. randomly, which yeah. is fine. It's just part of the, the era. But you go, when you've got those color limitations, and when you have Moon Knight, who's a character who like dresses in white, and you have to use lighting to show the billowing of his cape and where he is, and like the, the scarlet issue when they're in the church, the lighting of like mm. the stained glass windows. You're like, the fact that basically just, I know it's got um, colorist as well, so that obviously helped a lot, but the the when the drawing of the shadows and the line work on i was just like it's just i love that style in the 80s i, I do really like graphic novels and things that have got hyper um detail and stuff i do like that but i there's just something about that simplicity just kind of before the next big jump in comic sort of design yes i just oh I, it's something about it i just love it the simplicity of it and it's just so it grabs me oh it's striking i mean it's it's just art it is true art mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's the other thing about this run. You know, people obviously uh, often talk about the, you know, Bill Sinkovich's New Mutants run as being like, oh, that's like the the kickoff of r- the real Bill Sinkovich, you know, often. And, you know, all Moon Knight fans are going like, no, nah, not really. <laughs> Go back and check out, you know, issue whatever of, of Moon Knight and you'll see him fighting a werewolf in the in the rain. And it's all done, you know, with everything is done with downlines. Oh, yeah. 
you know, like everything's been done in this way that like, you know, it's it's and it's fantastic. It's absolutely phenomenal, some of the art. So Bill Bill Sinkovich also is like a defining piece of Moon Knight history. I think for me, when I look at a certain when when you go through the artists that have contributed to to Moon Knight, um and like, there were some fantastic ones, so like, you know, but um he he's always been able to accommodate um artistic artists let me put it that way yeah um in the sense of you know you obviously have like a marvel a house marvel star and he's gone through that as well you know um in some cases and it's fine but when he's when you have artists that go like, i'm gonna try something a bit different it really works i mean like mm-hmm. he's he's the artist that can do that i mean again you know i think i've said about my favorites um versions of moon knight Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, Warren Ellis is sit tissue run, but Declan Shelby's art on that again, mm. like Declan Shelby doing this sort of like, and Jordi Belair as well. I've got to say, Jordi Belair is one of my favourite colorists. I think yes. she's phenomenal, hundred percent. Um, but the artwork they did, where they were like, okay, well, we're going to have all these colour wash kind of look, but Moon Knight's just going to be white. Like, yep. we're not going to touch him. We're not going to give him shadow. In fact, we're not going to touch the paper at all. He's just white. Yeah. And it's striking it and amazing. Immediate. Pops out. Cuts through everything, doesn't he? Yeah. With that Mr. Knight uh, attire. And that was the first appearance of Mr. Knight. Like, Warren Ellis. Uh, you know, he was in um, Secret, Secret, Avengers, Secret Avengers. Secret yeah. Avengers. Um, which is kind of fun. You know, the uh, sort of the end of one of the runs where sort of Captain America turns up and he's like, we, go, we want you to join the team. And he's like, Really? Cool, and it's you know, sort of like, oh, Mark, you know, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that 80s run is 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 phenomenal. Um, but this is the thing, like, you know, they finished that, and it ends up, you know, to, to show you the sort of the diversity that uh, Moon Knight can accommodate in that run, you've had sort of like international terrorists, you have a guy called, um, you know, uh, there's a sharpshooter whose arm is a, is a gun and he's got like a sight on his eye, it's ridiculous. But then he'll deal with like street level crime. He'll deal with drug addiction. Drug addiction. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's like a deep cut. There's like a whole plot line about Gina's like eldest, isn't it? And it that yeah. comes into it. And it's like this is all. This is like deep, deep social commentary that in the last ten years has been shown in films and series a lot more. Mm. Maybe to, to the Wire, I think probably might have tackled actually that a bit earlier, but early two thousands. But this is like two decades before that. And you're, I was reading this, I was like, if you showed this to someone today. Like the Black Lives Matter movement, all that kind of stuff, and you think about all the stuff that a lot of that represents, and yeah, then you yeah. read this silly little Moon Knight comic where the premise yeah. is like the the some mercenary may have died, maybe got resurrected by an Egyptian god of the moon, and is now seeking out vengeance at night time, mm. and you're like, what? Oh, by the way, there's that real deep social commentary and information about like drug addiction and gentrification of areas, and that gets explored more in in further runs as well, including on the Ellis run. But you're just like this. Where did this come from? Yeah, oh, 100%. Think, you like, hit it. Oh, my God, that's really deep. Next issue. Oh, I'm fighting, like... I'm, I'm fighting, cabbie, like... It's called Cabbie Killer. It's about guys trying to kill people from a cab. It's, yeah. it's literally ridiculous. And you're just like, what? Where does this come from? Yeah, it's very hit and miss. But you're right. There's a thing with this this that early run. I mean, even, like, the villains... We talk today about villains, sympathetic villains, mm-hmm. right? And that's what this is loaded with. You know, like, all of them are sort of there. Morpheus, the guy who can yeah. sort of use, uses his... Black Eben energy, his dream powers. Um, it, it, what is he? Well, he's, he's actually was experimented on, and it's so you know he had a dream. He, he's a 
Frankenstein. Like he's a you know, Frankenstein's monster. He's a creation. He's angry. He wants out vengeance. Like he's not evil. He's just lashing out. Carson Knowles, who becomes Black Spectre, issue twenty five. The whole sort of first half of that book is him coming home from war, coming back from the Vietnam War, and being rejected by his family. He's lost his job. He can't get any more. He's been sort of told he's a baby killer. But there's a whole like montage of him being told no, 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 to to the point at which he's completely broken and just says, "Screw it." then I shall take control back. If I can't take control in the normal way, then I shall take control in an exceptional way. And he and sort of becomes Black Spectre. Um, and, you know, starts to work through the political system. And you sort of like, so all of a sudden you've got this issue that's trying to deal with the fact that these Vietnam, you know, these Vietnam soldiers or soldiers from Vietnam coming back to this terrible treatment. And you're going like, yeah, I sort of, he doesn't do good things, but that frustration and anger is kind of understandable, you know? Yeah, and, and, and also and, yeah. the, the the whole arc about that. We'll get into the other writing in a second as well. But like, there's the whole arc about like, the the rats, where it's got there's the police <laughs> officer who then be, you know he goes goofy and he becomes like a giant rat kind of thing in a costume. But like the whole thing is about him seeing members of the police force being killed by non-white people and people mm. he considers that are immigrants. And he's like, they don't, they aren't here legally. They're just committing crimes, and they're killing my police partners. He's experiencing severe PTSD from life on the police force, yeah. and witnessing his like police brothers being killed while dealing with crime, which in itself is a whole PTSD-ridden thing anyway. And he's dealing with all that while being fed stuff by certain news outlets about you know immigration and all this sort of other things. And he's genuinely thinking he's doing a good thing. He's yeah. like, and he's like, oh, Moonlight's gonna be so. I think there's a line where he says he mentions Moonlight and says, he'll, when he sees what I'm doing, he'll understand. He'll understand. And mm. it's like this is uh, this is a really deep issue about mental illness, about immigration, about police, mm. about PTSD. And you're like, this is like a not even a full comic page because obviously a uh, comic issue because a lot of these '80s issues, two, as you say, two thirds of the story of it is a story, and then you've got a little end story, like a bonus thing. Sometimes about yeah. Crawley, sometimes about other random things, yeah. sometimes just another Moonlight story. And you're like, this is really deep. Then you turn the page and it's just, you know, Marlene and Mark being goofy around you know, artifacts. And I'm like, I, I really appreciate the run, but it is. You have to take it for what it is. You but do, there's 100%. so much brilliance in yes. it. And I, I, I'm really glad that because of this conversation in the essay book that I read the whole thing and I did because yeah. I, I did actually, to be honest, I did try just going, I was like, I remember most of the 80s run. I, I read a decent chunk of it. So I started reading the 2005 uh, uh, run, I think it is, the, the edgy run. Mm. Um, and I read that and I, I read the first issue or two, and I was like, this is brutal, you know, face cutting off all that jazz. I was like, this is nuts. Scott did tell me about this. But I was like, there's characters appearing that I loosely remember from reading the Moon Knight comic a couple of years ago. So I, I think it's Crowley, and then wasn't there a girl as well? And then he meets, the bit that made me realize when he meets, um, who was Frenchy, but it's Jean-Paul uh, Duchamp. 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 Yeah, Duchamp. Yeah. And he's not got any legs, and I was like, who's this person? And then you get through it, and then it, it, French, the Frenchy gets mentioned, the, the name, and I was like, oh, it's him. And I was like, I, I'm not going to enjoy this unless I go back, fully read all of Moon Knight, the, the, the 80s run again, and properly invest into it. And there was a couple of issues. I was like, this is this is a bit hard going. And then whenever I'd think that, the next issue would be an absolute banger. And so bleeding into the two, like the 2000s, um, 2005 run. So it was, it was um, Charlie Huston and mm. with David Finch as the penciler. I know there are other pencilers involved as well in certain issues, but the complete change there and that was the the the, issue, the run that kind of as you said got you into moon knight it's the yeah, first yeah, one yeah. 
So I, uh, turning onto this one, it is the complete opposite, almost, mm. in to the 80s run. I really enjoyed it for very different reasons. And I loved the art style for the opposite reasons. And I think the plot was really interesting. But instead of it being subtle, it was so over the top. It was actually, uh, intentionally so, it was hard to follow because it was being so over the top with certain things and giving you so little, like, internal monologue that it completely, it, it, like, it's like Moonlight, but you invert all the colours. And there's yeah. the through line is really the character and the almost the, the origin story. And the, the 80s version of him was, in theory, canon in this. And he's just, it's full from grace. But it's it's so completely different. And there's it's a, hard to like them a, both. Do you know what I mean? I'm interested in your it comparison. Is. All right. So this is the thing that's interesting. You're right, because they are so different. But, you know, we, we get this with all characters. Like, you mm. know, you can't... Um, it's hard to frame sort of like some of those early, you know, those 60s and 70s Batman with Frank Miller's Batman and... You know, even Scott Snyder's Batman later on. Like, you know, they are di- they are different. They are the same character, but they are different in many ways. And this is true. But one of the things is because Moon Knight is you know isn't coming away from the nineteen thirties. You know, it's from seventy five, and because he hasn't had a continuous run, it's his continuity is both harder and more easy to follow. But you can sort of follow a thread. So one of the things that you haven't read. And because you, you don't have access to it, is the um, so after the eighties run, there's another one that was called Fist of Conchu, which runs for six issues, which is very disposable, not very good. It's the one where it's sort of like you know it sort of lines up with his time in the West Coast Avengers. It's the you know he's got the gold bracelets and the big ankh on his front, and it's sort of the costume is crap. Following that, Chuck Dixon brings him back to his roots, and we get. Mark Spector Moon Knight, and that will run through that. At the end of that 60 run, which is 94, I want to say, it's about 1994, Mark Spector dies. Mm-hmm. And that's it, as far as Marvel concerned, right? They were like, oh, yeah, we might bring him back. We'll see. But he died in that thing, right? So he stayed dead for quite some time. He came back in 98. So he was four years dead, which is an eternity in comic terms. And they bring him back in, in two sort of mini runs written by Doug Munch. Um, and they're escaping me now, but one's called High Strange or High Weird, something like that. And the other one's called um, Something Wars. It's escaped me. But basically, Mark just wakes up. Okay. And he's like, oh, I'm alive. Um, and it's, that's what he's dealing with. He's like, oh, like, what, what, how have I brought back? Why was I brought back? Does this mean that Conchu is real? Just to know, check, sorry, it, the, the Mark Spector Moon Knight issue, wh- how do they deal with Conchu in that? Is it like the 80s? It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Oh, okay, okay, right. That makes sense. So I was just, so when he gets Completely, brought back to life again, it's not obvious that's that it would what it's be so Conchu. Weird. Right. No, it's just, it's a complete sort of, so Conchu exists in the sort of form of, there is a statue that appears in, in, the, in the sort of the Spectre Tower. Hmm. Um, it's not until the very end that you start to get sort of suggestions of, paranormal let's say you know the the celestial with seth and some of the bits and pieces um but yeah he's dies he gets blown up and then um he is resurrected and it's his four issue run um where they're sort of like oh well like shit like you know how's he been brought back stained glass scarlet visits him and she's like you know this isn't isn't normal like there's some this is to do with the, the occult this is the paranormal and he ends up bringing down like carson knowles again 
but it's about him having to face up to the fact he's been resurrected and it's a, it's a chance for redemption. But like, it doesn't, it's one of those things, it doesn't sort of leave on a good note. It's sort of, it's not happy families. Like everyone's brought back together. And then they do this high strange, which is sort of like a, a weird sort of, it's kind of linked to an earlier story with some CIA former operations. It's kind of throwaway. It's a little bit of fun, but it's, it's Doug Munch doing the cabbie killer rather than the social commentary stuff. It's fine, but it's like, um, but being brought back, and then you sort of you don't get anything, you know, until he's in um, Marvel Knights. He appears in Marvel Knights again, written by Chuck Dixon, which is the early two thousands. And he appears briefly in that, and it, it sort of dealt with some people are like the Daredevil in particular is a bit like, aren't you dead? <laughs> and he's like, he was like, yeah, I don't know, you know, it's sort of it's partially dealt with, but never is. So when you get to um, the Houston run, there's a gap, but they're sort of like, you know, the head canon is he was resurrected and he was never able to deal with it. And so Bushman, because you see what happens, like Bushman starts just pushing him to his limits. So there's a whole, there is a story arc missing, right, that we never get to see, that Bushman pushes him to his limits. And at the end of it, Mark's like, I can't face this anymore. I can't keep doing this. I'm, I've tried. I've tried to be good. I've tried to have my redemption. You know, I was resurrected and given this opportunity to be redemptive. I, you know, I supported, I funded the group that was Marvel Knights for a part. You know, I helped them out. But now Bushman has pushed me to this point, so I'm going to kill him and I'm going to cut his face off. <laughs> in the name and of Conchu. In the name of Conchu. And it's like that moment. I it, to me is like is like the end of an arc where you're like you know imagine um, you know Bane turned up in Batman and pushes Batman to exhausts him and just mentally drains him and then attacks him at the end. Instead of Bane breaking Batman's back, this is Batman turning around and skinning off Bane's face. <laughs> That's what it is. And yep. you know, and he breaks his legs in the time. And like people are like, he's gone off the deep end. And it's sort of like, you know, and because he hasn't gained that redemption, people start to move away. Like he pushes everybody away. And that's where the bottom starts. So that run is him trying to gain redemption, but like not. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like he acknowledges like he's the first time that sort of um the that resurrection is a character called Oh, what's he called? He's like, he's like an interrogator. He wears the red sunglasses and he can sort oh, of... Oh, I never got his name, but he, he can see for anyone. He, knows he can everything. read everyone, can't he? Yeah, like yeah, he'll yeah. Read, he's, like, he's one of those sort of like a Darren Brown kind of mm -hmm. dude. Like he can read everybody. And then at one point, he tries to read Moon Knight and he can't look at him. He's like, I can't, there's too much. Like, there's so much going on. I can't read, like it hurts him to, to, to look at Moon Knight. And I love that as a concept. Um... Because it's like, it's like Sherlock Holmes, you know, he's looking at everything going on, you know, the, the crease on the trousers or the choice of the shirt or whatever is going on. He's reading stuff into it and he's, been, he's, he's super accurate. But he can't read Moon Knight. And the other character that sort of they end up sort of proving, it's all about being crazy. Like, you know, it's this thing of being unpredictable and crazy. Like Mark's given up trying to be um, crazy. This is the crazy years. Because even... Um, uh, what's the character called that can predict everybody's moves? Or oh, Taskmaster. Taskmaster, thank you. Yeah. He can't beat Moon Knight. No. Because he's just like, I've no idea. Because he doesn't, he, like, he has no 
pattern. Like he just does shit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, he's like, I forgot your fighting stance down, and then not just something crazy. And he's like, "What are you doing?" And, yeah, <laughs> and it's like, I, I will say, I really, really enjoyed because uh, I read the first two volumes. I would have read more, but I knew I want to make sure I read enough Moon Knight to get a good idea and mm. the essay book and all that jazz. So I will go back to that run. I really love the Midnight Suns bit, the connection with Civil War and his interactions with Cap and. Um, Tony Stark is hilarious, but I think I, yeah, I really, neither of them want them on that. No, team. he's like they're like, oh, I bet you're here to bring the Avengers. Like, no, I'm telling you to back the fuck off. <laughs> Don't yeah. come near us. Yeah. You are going to you're going to cause all kinds of problems. And so, do not. I'm telling you to back up. And he's like, oh Jesus. Um, but I I loved. I really really like them. They're bloody. They're brutal. I think mm. if I'd have found this ten years ago. I would be obsessed with Moon Knight almost like I am with Star Wars at the moment because this was like really my bread and butter. Um, and I I really enjoyed it. There's so much cool stuff to like. But I found that if, again, if I hadn't read the 80s run, a lot of the the impacts didn't hit as hard. So yeah. when I reread it after going back to the 80s run and reading it, I was like, oh, there's Crawley. Oh, I see why. And as you've just said, like I hadn't thought about it. I thought it was because I'd missed the the over some of the other runs that weren't as important to read in this kind of a bridge run through or maybe it was a run from the the, the missing parts i hadn't read but mm. i feel like as you said i think this run is because five trait is five collections basically yeah, five yeah. volumes if it was six and it's the the way it is now the, the bottom was the second one and midnight yeah. suns was the third and there was one even if it was only four issues or five it could be just the ex- explanation of like Moon Knight is just by, like, by himself a lot of dark colours being like, how did I come back alive? How is this happening? And having like nightmares of heaven or hell and being like, where do I belong? Can I ever be at peace? And mm. fighting things. And seeing him beat the same thugs or, or the different thugs, but looking identical to him day in, day out for weeks and weeks. And like his hair, you know, his facial hair growing and him being like, this is also pointless. Everything I'm doing is exactly the same. And there seems to be no end. And if I die, I get no peace. What do I do? And if that was there along with Bushman, pushing him and pushing him and pushing him with Marlene being like you need to get your you know stuff together basically well Marlene's not even in it by now is she because of is with Marlene's left it, him Marlene's yeah, left him She's but in, in the canon of Mark Spector Moon Knight and those other ones from is she is she just with him in the eighties run and, and basically no she's not... in March back to Moon Knight like she's okay, about right. yeah, yeah so with that you could then show the Marlene leaving him a bit more or her yeah. trying to save him a bit more her leaving him him going you know over the edge and all that stuff. And then it could be the culmination, the final issue of that run could be, as you say, the cutting off Bushman's face. Because I read this and I was like, who is this guy? And why is he cutting his face off? Even though you've told me it's Bushman. Because yeah. I had connected the importance of Bushman. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that... And I had to Google it because I was like, you know, before I decided to go back and read the 80s run again. And I was like, oh, okay, right. So he's doing that to his the guy who kind of created him, sort of. And I was like, once I got to, I think, issue two or three, well, after I'd you know, gone back and reread everything makes so much more sense when I'm in yeah, two yeah. or three. I was like, Oh, right. And then I actually, when I, on the second read of this, when I tried again, when I got to issue three or four, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to issue one again, just, and and it makes so much sense. And you're like, okay, right. So he's doing this and, and conscious messing with him this way, but it's, it's so much going on visually and like story wise and personality wise for Moon Knight as a character and whether or not Conchu is like who he's representing there or not well, with all the yeah. intense gore. Well, and you're like, this is so much to take in. No, this is, this is the thing. So I think one of the things to sort of, we should highlight hmm. you and you've just hit the nail on the head with something there about is or isn't, isn't Conchu involved. So that, that the Houston run, there is a reintroduction of the potential of of Conchu, right? Let's call it the potential of Conchu. The statue is there, and he he, he pleads to Conchu to be given the, another chance. 
And what steps out in the, from the shadows is a faceless Bushman who becomes this sort of like wisecracking, antagonistic sort of entity. And you are never clear if that's a figment of Mark's imagination or if it is actually conscious. Right? Mm-hmm. You never really know. Um, and But that is the first time. So, you, you know, when you look at the runs, it sort of suggested there's, there's a you said there's a subtle suggestion in the in the Munch run. It's completely gone. The supernatural is pretty much all gone from Mark Spector Moon Knight, and then he dies, and then he's resurrected. Right, and all I, in my head, this is my own personal Moon Knight head canon. He was resurrected wrong. Right, oh. he was brought back, but it's like. Do you remember when you used to say about Buffy, right? So is it season five, six? She, where she yeah, was... spoiler alert. She uh, Sorry, she dies yeah. and comes back and then she's spoiler, like... Spoiler alert for a show that's almost 25 years yeah, old. Yeah, so. I know, I know. <laughs> but it was, she she dies but, and then comes back, but there's several episodes where she's struggling with why she was brought... Well, there's The first time she's brought back, she's kind of feral for a bit. Like when yeah. she's first back because she's like... Her brain like rotted, basically. She was like actually dead, dead. Yeah, yeah. For actually quite a while. I think it's several weeks or several days at least. And no, then it's, she comes, it's weeks. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's she's, yeah, yeah. the funeral and stuff. So yeah, I thought it was weeks. And then she she comes back and she's like feral for like a day or two. And then she takes ages to readjust for, to what it is. Yeah. There's a moment, and this is the thing with that. There's a moment in that in the Buffy the Vampire series where they keep sort of saying, "Is she right? Is she right?" And she's going like, "She's fob." You know, she's she's playing it off. And she eventually confesses to someone, like, I was in heaven mm-hmm. and you pulled me out to this shit show. Thank you very much. Because you couldn't handle me being gone. You couldn't let you, me yeah, be peace. You, you couldn't let me go, right? So that, and that was always played out in my head, this idea. And I kind of feel a little bit like that with Mark. Like, Mark sacrificed himself. He had reached that, the epitome of what it is to be a superhero, you know, the ultimate sacrifice. So he had made that sacrifice to save others. That's the sort of like the top of the mountain for superheroes. Okay, I know they've all done it and they all come back, but like that's the <laughs> po- that's the point, though, isn't it? Yeah. Right, the self sacrifice. So he's brought back, and so for me, there's I, I, in the book I've got it in the introduction that there are phases because there's no sort of thing of like a physical version of Conshu until that Houston run, and then after that, like it's always been a bit unclear until recently. Um, so to me, there's a whole period. Like I've actually got them. I've got them, I call them phases because you know that's Marvel for you. So I'll just quickly. I've got phase one, 1975, 1975 to nineteen eighty. I've got finding his feet. So you know how they want to use him, what they want to do with him. Phase two, nineteen eighty to nineteen ninety four. She's right. She's the Cape Crusader, and that is the the eighties run, uh, Fist of Conchu, and then Mark Spector Moon Knight, in which he is sort of like he's a superhero. He he is a non-powered superhero for the for the most part. So you know he is just he's a Batman or he's a Daredevil. Or he, he doesn't have he's not Superman, right? He's just a guy putting himself in harm's way to help others. That's the point. Nineteen ninety eight to two thousand twelve. I've called it the resurrection trauma phase because that's what it is. Throughout this year, he goes up and down. He tries to be different things. So you have like the Houston run where he goes brutal. Um, and you've you you've talked about the first two volumes. You haven't read the, some of the best bits. So there's actually one called America's. What's it called? Um, God and Country is volume three. Read it. All right. I'm going to keep recommending. Just read all of them. I, I do Country, intend to. I do intend okay. to. I'm, oh, spoilers. I'm sorry. I'm going to give you just do it. Just no, do it. I'm, so, I'm fine for it. Nasa, Carson Knowles end up comes back as Black Spectre, and but also there's a there's an issue following. 
uh, Civil War. So Civil Civil War has been resolved. Iron Man has won. Cap's been arrested. And there's this issue where they start, you know, there's um, Iron Man is now doing the, the Superhero Registration Act. Mm. And so each superhero has to be assessed. Oh, that's so, in Volume 2. Is it Volume 2? Vo- yeah. yeah, and he goes in there because he talks to the guy who can read everyone and he gets the guy to read everyone to read the, the interviewer guy. Yes. And, figure out, and that's how he, and he pretends to be insane, the kind of thing. I he love that. He basically scares the crap out of the guy. Yep. And, and basically gets registered as a superhero and everyone's like, really? Moon Knight? And the guy's like, yeah. <laughs> but he's intimidated him into doing it and I think it's it's so, so good. Um, but beyond that, there's all this stuff and God and Country is about... Um, is about this again. The Carson Knowles comes back, and everyone loves him. Like he's 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 running to be mayor, and he's like, I've I've been in prison. I've had my redemption story. I want to do good for the country. And Mark like Mark's going, has everybody lost their minds? Like this guy tried to kill hundreds of people before, um, and he finds out it's true. He's doing it again, but it ends with him kicking. Um, spoilers I'm just gonna yeah, do, do it it's fine no, you can spoil it for me it's okay yeah. I, I know loosely a lot of this Moon Knight stuff anyway from our numerous okay. conversations so I'm I'm so well he, basically okay up, yeah, he kicks he kicks Black Spectre off the top of a building and everyone's like and, you know Iron Man's like well that's it you've kind of blown your chance now so he ends up going on the run he uses the name Jake Lockley and goes down south there's all that other stuff but that ends that. but the end of, by the end of that five volume run it ends with him saying well I've got to go back and then, then it wasn't followed up, and you're like, "Hang on!" <laughs> like, but he's gone through all this trauma. Like, he's still like, you know, the down south stuff is great. Um, they deal with like a a, a, Mex- a Mexican deity, um, like death entity. Brilliant. Anyway, but what you then get is the follow up is uh, the Vengeance of the Moon Knight, which is a ten issue run, and it starts with him in daylight. Like he's got like he's got like a motorcycle now. He's got you know he doesn't use guns. He's got like these discs. It fires discs. He you know he's looking to be the the superhero, like an actual. He's looking for redemption, and the whole issue is about him trying to be good. Um, and. Uh, the villain of the piece ends up bringing back sort of like resurrecting uh, Bushman to face up to him and all this other stuff, right? But he does, he ends up being good. Um, he, he has like an appearance of Deadpool in it and some of the pieces. But because of his actions in, in that, he ends up joining the Secret Avengers. Cap mm-hmm. comes and finds him and makes him join the Secret Avengers. But even Cap's like, you're still crazy. <laughs> we don't. We, I don't trust you, but I know you're good at what you do. Um, and so that whole period is him doing, and then he joins the Secret Avengers. Doesn't go as well as he'd hoped. Um, it's a really good stuff. You get Ed Brubaker written it, but it ends with uh, Warren Ellis writing a, a short run, which is really good. Um, mm. And it's the first time you get Mister Knight sort of design. Love it. Yeah, but like uh, because of that and it not going really well and stuff, he ends up sort of doing a runner. And just leaves New York. It's too much for him, all this stuff. So he moves to LA and uses the name Stephen Grant and becomes a producer and starts trying to make a Moon Knight movie. And you, but you still know he's crazy. And this is the first time they really introduce alternate personalities because it's written by Brian Michael Bendis, who can fuck off as far as I'm concerned. He's very contra. I've not read, I don't think, any Bendis stuff, but I know that everything he touches is the mar a lot of the time it's the marmite because he always turns characters on their heads and i know there's two or three ones where people go these ones are amazing but i know the majority of stuff he touches people are like what the fuck are you doing 
yeah. is the main thing that. I hear about Michael Bendis. When, when he's off to do his own thing, um, Ultimate Spider-Man is phenomenal. It's probably mm. one of the best runs, consistently good runs of anything ever, of comic book fun. Like It's amazing. And he has done a couple of other things. When he did Avengers, it was pretty good. But with Moon Knight, like, it was just, like, it lasted 12 issues, didn't do well, but um, it's set in L.A., but he he has this thing where the whole first issue is him, and he ends up talking to, like, Cap, Captain America, Wolverine, and Spider-Man. And then you find out that they're not there. And he's started to, he's, he's broken, and he's emulating their powers and stuff. Um, but he meets people like Echo and some other characters as well. And he takes on this sort of the um, Count Nefario or Count Nefarious from that, this sort of like Avengers level and an Ultron. He takes on an Ultron. So it's like, it gets, again, it gets out of hand. And he has their pack. Cause I've got a question about, I was like, I've literally got a question, which is what ask about the Spider-Man Wolverine captain run. Yeah. And other stuff between the eighties and two thousands. So, so like, this is him still dr- dealing with his trauma. This but is he, still, he has the powers. No, he, no. He thinks he does. He, he, yeah. So he basically, um, and it, it, the reason, the reason I've got it, cause I've got in actually a really nice, oversized hardback um so he he doesn't but he uses technology to emulate their powers right so he has like um a laser you know when they sort of like jim and cap had that sort of like the light shield Mm. that would come out of it so it's he has that right um and he he has the webs of um Mm spider-man and he has like gauntlets that have um claws that come out the back of them and so he has this moment. So there's a moment in it, and again, spoilers, where well, basically a character gets hurt and he's like, he's trying to be restrained. He keeps like, saying, you know, I can't do this kind of that. And the Wolverine character is going like, fuck him up. <laughs> and eventually he, cause the cap character is like, it's a bit like the, the id, the ego and the super ego. Like mm-hmm. there's these, you know, or the angel and the devil on his shoulder cap saying like, you're a superhero. You, you know, what would, what would, you know, what do you think I'm going to think of this if you do this or whatever? But eventually someone gets hurt and he just loses it. And he's like, the claws spin out and he becomes Wolverine. Anyway, eventually sort of like he has to confront this and someone says to him like, you can't sort of keep doing this because you're not Captain America, Wolverine and Spider-Man. You're just a guy in a suit. Um, And so he, he sort of gets this mission done, but at quite a heavy expense. And then again, sort of says, much like with Down South, he realises, um, I've got to go back. Like, you know, th- th- there's not much I can do here. Um, he- he's got to go back. So he decides to go back to New York. The other thing I would say is, again, talking about art, the greatest thing about this is Alex Maleev's art. Alex Maleev is a phenomenal artist, and some of the panels in that are f- absolutely beautiful. I'd have them as, as wall art. But that sort of takes us to the Ellis run. And that's the end of part one. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, my friends, as I said in the intro, you either need to wait till next week to hear part two, or you can go over to patreon.com slash genuine chits chat. And for as little as one pound a month, which I think is like a dollar fifty, you'll get immediate access to part two of this conversation, as well as loads of bonus content. There's over 200 episodes of Afterthoughts over there where myself and Megan review loads and loads of stuff. So please consider checking that out if you haven't already. 
But in part two, our conversation continues. So we speak about Warren Ellis's six issues of Moon Knight from 2014. And then we talk about Lemire's run as well. We then talk about the phases of Moon Knight, the Disney Plus show in a bit more detail, a few more sprinklings of the essays are discussed as well. Scott also provides his theory on why in-universe Moon Knight slash Mark Spector changes so much. And we also delve into the latest run, which I have not read, by Jed McKay, as well as Scott's thoughts on the future of Moon Knight. So all Moon Knight, Moon Knight, Moon Knight stuff, which is to be expected in this conversation. But please make sure you stick around for that subscribe wherever you are listening to this i really really appreciate it and please share on social media tell your friends all about it all that usual jazz but after part two is out next week what can you expect from genuine chips chat well there's a couple of guest spots that i'm going to be doing which i'll talk about once they've been recorded and i know the sort of release schedule for those so i'm very very excited about those i've got another episode of clone wars conversations recorded i'll be releasing that very soon probably that's gonna be the next full episode of genuine chit chat i release i'm also due to record another one of those very soon and then i've got a few other sort of secretive things that are going on in the background that are going to be some really really cool conversations due for recording on this very feed just make sure you follow me on all the social media channels at genuine chit chat please make sure you subscribe and share with your friends leave reviews and ratings and all that stuff because it really really helps the show out and especially if you're listening on spotify it only takes a few seconds to leave a five star review and it really really helps out but i think that's gonna be enough from me my friends just make sure you check out all the details in the description check out the other stuff that scott's done both with myself and me being on his show but also all the other cool things he's done he's got loads of content coming out on stories out of time and space on 20th century geek and a few things on the comics and motion network as well it's all great fun but just thank you so much for listening as always my friends and i'll speak to you next week with part two of my conversation with scott about moon knight you have just experienced host creator everything else of genuine chit chat and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.